Welcome to our Industry Influencers podcast series. I'm thrilled to have Chris Cheatham join us today. Chris has done a, a previous podcast with us, but now after the acquisition of Risk Genius by Bold Penguin and then the acquisition of Bold Penguin by American Family, we have some other interesting things to try to talk about. So Chris, welcome. Thank you. It feels like uh, many centuries ago when we last talked, so it's good to catch up. Yeah, exactly. So it actually has been a while since we talked. It's been about eight months since Bold Penguin acquired your company, Risk Genius. Mm -hmm. And a lot happened during that period of time. And then Bold Penguin acquired American Family, yep. uh, following very much well, the same example of Aon cover acquiring Cover Wallet. So talk about these changes and what it means for the industry and what it means for what you guys are going to be able to collectively provide out to the industry. Yeah, absolutely. I was thinking about this question uh, before we jumped on today. I was like, why, why is this happening? You know, why are these mergers happening? And it's, it's actually, it's kind of a simple answer in my opinion. You just are seeing the digital insurance game and commercial insurance working a lot better. And so people are starting to place their big bets. You know, carriers have been building out their APIs for some time. The exchanges like Bold Penguin are starting to really work and flourish. And so that's why you're seeing major players starting to make moves. So that's how you explain really the, you know, AmFam Bold Penguin deal. You know, if we step back further in time and look at Bold Penguin acquiring Risk Genius, that was all about accelerating the quota bind in the Bold Penguin exchange. So, you know, Risk Genius worked on coverage analysis. Bold Penguin had already started working on data extraction and data pre-fill and applications. And so all of that works together to create this insurance intelligence group now that's working on basically augmenting the quote and bind process with these really, really fast and efficient AI tools like we talked about. So there's a lot of interest. Um, when InsureTech first started, there was a heavy interest around you know, distribution and channels and stuff. And then it evolved into a lot of areas that have been uh, pain points for insurers, you know, across the whole value chain. But, you know, now we're beginning to see some of these established players buy companies like Bull Penguin or Cover Wallet, yet the agent broker channel is still pretty vibrant out there. How do you see these complementing the, the traditional agent broker channels? I think you said it best, actually. Actually, they complement them. They don't replace them. In most cases, what we see, I think, and a lot of people see this, a business still wants to talk to an individual. So you can have tools like the Bull Penguin Exchange that facilitates faster quoting and binding. You fill out one application, you get back multiple carrier quotes, but that business still wants to talk to a human being in most cases and say, okay, what's the difference between all these quotes? Talk to me about that. As a result, we found that it's best to keep, in most circumstances, an agent in the loop. I was just looking at stats the other day, actually. The, you know, the agents are still powering most of these transactions right now in the commercial insurance sector. So yeah, it's all about complementing the agent with these technologies. Actually, you can go all the way back to Peter Thiel, who started PayPal, has this really great book, uh, Zero to One. And he talks about, you know, the best technologies augment humans, they don't replace them. And I, I completely agree with that. And that's what we're seeing in the commercial insurance sector. I think we're just seeing a lot better tools that are augmenting commercial insurance agents. You know, and I think that that was one of the key areas of value that Bull Penguin really saw was the ability to not just uh, reduce the time it took to quote and bind for commercial insurance to your point about, you know, pre-filling a lot of stuff. 
but really how you could supercharge the data analytics efforts from a risk genius. Can yep. you kind of expand on that a little bit more, what you guys have done jointly together to bring all of, begin to bring this to reality? Yeah, absolutely. So the risk genius, you know, coverage analysis tool, it's available still as a standalone product for insurance carriers. Pretty excited about what's coming for carriers that are doing, you know, think about forms analysis, competitor analysis, and really understanding the terms and conditions in your policies, which we've learned is very important over the last 12 months or so. But at the same time, we're looking at uh, how do you integrate that into the Bold Penguin Exchange. So uh, there's kind of some obvious ways this could go about. You know, you get quotes from lots of carriers. How can you take their, those carrier quotes and then augment them with coverage uh, explanations? You know, what's in, what's out. Uh, and so we're doing a lot of work on that. That's going to take a long time, frankly, to really keep drilling down further and further because some agents want lots of information. Others don't want any information at all about coverages and what's available. So, uh, and customers too. So continuing to work on that integration is, is very important. And so, you know, building out the APIs around risk genius is another thing that we've been working on uh, here over the last, what has it been eight months or so since that acquisition occurred. One of the areas that you and I have always loved to talk about is around this whole concept of data and analytics, especially around the possibilities uh, around artificial intelligence and machine learning and how that's really intensifying in the industry. In fact, you know, in our strategic priorities research to insurers this year, it continues to be one of those top areas. And, you know, you just saw that uh, we just announced the acquisition of Utilin last week, which they have a contributory database of a lot of loss control uh, data. You know, and it's really about having large sources of data to be able to really apply AI and machine learning models to, to be able to really train them and then to really be able to uh, leverage them uh, uniquely into someplace along the value chain. What are you seeing and what, are, what do you see as the opportunities ahead around AI and machine learning? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. One area that, you know, I've been studying a lot here at Bold Penguin is like, helping carriers evaluate how they're doing in the kind of electronic distribution game. So taking carrier A and benchmarking them against the rest of the industry that's also using the Bold Penguin platform. Trying to help carriers figure out what questions maybe are tripping people up so that they drop the application. You know, Bold Penguin did like a mil over 1 million quote starts last year. And so at some point, you know, that's at the scale now where you can't just go and individually have human beings parse through that data in order to see kind of the patterns, you really have to start using AI machine learning. So that's one area that I think is really interesting is like refining how people are using kind of these distribution channels through machine learning. I'll be a little bit honest too. I think there's a lot of on the agency side and in, in adopting these tools, we aren't at the point yet where like the agents right now, I think are, we're still in the try, you know, test and try and fail and refine and make it better phase. And so there around the data and analytics, we're still trying to figure out, you know, these agencies are still trying to figure out how do I adopt this and scale this? And so as we get to bigger and bigger numbers, as more of the hundred billion dollars in small business insurance comes online, that's when I think those tools will become more important as well for the agencies. And I think it, you know, one of the things that we've been focused in on in uh, one of our strategic partnerships with PwC 
because they're really working closely with us around distribution management is really how do you take not just the distribution management data, but also maybe some of the other sources of data, maybe third-party data, but also policy data, really learned how to optimize some of the channels that you're working with. And I say that generally because you can look and see how, how you can kind of look at that against some of these marketplaces. And how does that then compare to some of your key agencies or other types of channels that continue to kind of emerge and making sure that you're really leveraging and optimizing each of those channels really, really effectively. Yeah. I'm curious what you think about something, but I think the importance of, and I'm thinking from an agency's perspective right now, but like niches are going to get more and more important, but it's like bringing those niches online. So let's say you're really good at, you know, hunting down Mm -hmm. bakeries in Brooklyn. I don't know. I'm just making something up. Like, how do you do that online? And, you know, where we see a huge return on investment for agencies that are going online is when you can both gain organic leads. So back in the day that was going to, you know, chamber of commerce meetings and getting people to sign up for insurance. But now it's like getting people to your digital storefront. How do you get them there? And then at the same time, how can you supplement your organic leads with qualified quotable prospects from a platform like Bold Penguin? So I, I don't know. I think it's just fascinating. The agencies that I'm talking to for a podcast series that we're going to be doing in the future, you know, the niches are just, it's so interesting to see how these are getting really, really refined online. So are you seeing something similar? Yeah, I I would say that we're beginning to see that, but you know, I think the niches are also not just with the, with the agencies, but I think it's also with the insurers that as new types of products are coming out, you know, they're really looking at the market, the market opportunities out there from a niche perspective. And really saying, how do they get uh, this product out to market? It may be through the traditional way, through agencies. And once again, it may be through marketplaces. And in other cases, it might be embedded insurance. And I think insurers are really beginning to look at all of the different places that customers are going to be at and wanting to buy and where they want to buy. And you just have to be able to offer those all those different options, but also offer them that they can kind of integrate back and forth to each other as well. Yeah, no, that sounds uh, exactly right. We're seeing more MGAs as well, bringing their products online at Bull Penguin. Yeah, like Thimble's a great example where they have this interesting pay by the hour, pay by the day product and like getting that onto the platform. So agents can now utilize it. Uh, It's just really interesting. So yeah, we're seeing a lot more of that uh, as well. You know, the funny thing is, Chris, is that everybody says that data and analytics and AI machine learning are on their radar and that they're looking into it or they're in the process of implementing, but it's really not as easy as it seems uh, because you really do need good sources of, of good quality data to be able to really leverage some of those technologies. And you really have to have some really good defined use cases. What do you think is going to be needed based on your experience, both at Risk Genius and now with, at Bold Penguin, and as you're working with different entities in the marketplace? What do you think is, is really needed for, the, for companies to really kind of jumpstart and accelerate their, their use of these advanced analytics? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think understanding the framework for where AI and machine learning will work best is important. And so I think, you know, it's kind of like, a, like an 80-20 rule, but different than the 80-20 rule that we've learned about in the past. So I would try to pick off problems where being 80% correct is going to help out a lot. So what I mean by that is like, if you're working through 
uh, insurance applications, for example, and you are able to extract the data from 80% of those applications correctly. Is that helpful or not? In most cases, that would be helpful. If that's helpful, great. And then you move on to the question of, okay, what do we do with the other 20%? Can we have a human review those? Do we just put those by the wayside? Do we try to refine the AI so it gets better and better on that 20%? And so I think that's one of the big learnings I've had, frankly, over the last, you know, since we launched Risk Genius back in 2015, is like find the 80% problems, you know, where 80% correct is going to be really helpful. There's other examples where being 80% correct is not going to be helpful. Like you have to be hundred percent correct. And if you're not hundred percent correct, the human using your tool will just not trust it and not use it. And so like an example of that would be like policy checking, right? Policy yeah. checking can be a big liability if you miss something. And so if you're not hundred percent correct with your tool, you may have to rethink whether or not you want to adopt that tool for whatever you're trying to do. I think the, the solutions though, that'll be offered through AI and machine learning are just going to get deeper and deeper. There's this thing I often think about, like there's horizontal application of machine learning and AI, and then there's vertical application. Horizontal application, think of like extracted text from documents like OCR. And so there you have so much data that you can get very, very good across industries. Whereas when you go vertical, if you're applying to insurance or specifically commercial insurance, there's not going to be as much data. And so it takes longer, you're going to have more errors. And I think people just need to be prepared for that. So we're much further along, obviously, with horizontal applications of AI. And so the vertical is just going to take a little bit longer, uh, but it, it's totally worth it because that will fix the very specific insurance use cases that are out there. You know, one of the other things that I think, and I'd love your opinion on this, you know, what is it going to take to really kind of capture these opportunities is that is insurers really need to be able to embrace um, a different kind of uh, talent. Data scientists come with kind of that horizontal and maybe some vertical perspective, but they think outside the box. They think differently and they look at putting different pieces of data together to really kind of do things differently. And I think that's been one of our challenges as an industry is thinking outside the box and being comfortable with that. They can really kind of see things differently and really have, kind of have some breakthrough kind of models that can really be of real value for the insurance industry. But we've got to be willing to kind of say, well, just because that's the way it's always been done doesn't necessarily mean we can't look at it a different way. Would you agree? Oh, yeah. I mean, 100%. So we always loved it when we would bring in a data scientist from outside the <laughs> industry. Like, I don't necessarily want somebody that's been doing insurance for a long time to do you know, the AI because you want to look for kind of those horizontal applications. I guess a very simple example is the idea for Risk Genius to do kind of coverage analysis with artificial intelligence came from the legal industry, which are pretty close. But like when I was a lawyer back in the day, I saw my job was starting to get automated. I was doing a lot of document review and my job was going to start getting automated first by, well, not automated, but outsourced to kind of third-party BPOs. And then like a year later, e-discovery tools, electronic discovery tools started introducing AI to go through these documents. And so that's it. Literally, we, I saw that technology and moved it over into the insurance space and said, okay, let's figure out how to apply this technology that was reading legal documents and apply it to a different type of legal document, which is insurance policies. So yeah, I, it's a great example actually of, you know, how these kind of different industries you can 
move technology around and, and find new applications. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to go back to something that we talked about just a little bit earlier and kind of expand on it, you know, with all the M&A going on in the industry. When you and I first talked, we were talking about, you know, the impact of insure tech in the industry. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of insure techs that have matured pretty rapidly. They're acquiring, you know, other companies, i.e. like what Bold Penguin did with Risk Genius. But likewise, traditional ins- vendors or traditional insurers, there's just all kinds of M&A going on. Insurers buying insurers, you know, agencies buying agencies and MGAs consolidating. It's just across the board. And then carriers and brokers, larger ones, buying some of these technology companies that they see more than just an investment value. They see, you know, something else in it. That's really reshaping, I think, and influencing the future of insurance and the ecosystem of all different participants in the industry. Kind of what do you see out there from all of this in the future? I mean, I think you're going to see more and more consolidation or mergers because it feels like around 2018, 19, you can tell me if you disagree with this, but there was people kind of uh, laughing at the insure tech movement and saying it didn't really, it never materialized, nothing really happened. And, you know, I would argue that, well, you were just a year or two off and it really hit in 2020. Part of that was uh, obviously COVID-19 accelerated the movement to digital and commercial insurance. But at the same time, I think just a lot of this technology had to be built. And you can talk to this about, you know, related to policy admin systems, but like the APIs just weren't really there back in 2015. And so it's been a you know a slow progression to get APIs built out so that all these different systems can now connect and talk. There's still a lot of carriers out there that don't have APIs and act, that can't get access to distribution systems like Bull Penguin or whatever. So I, I think that a lot of this is really going to take hold more and more. And as a result, you know, companies are just much more valuable now that got on early on this API train and, you know, have their solutions now ready to go. Yeah, I would agree with you. I think it was the pace of adoption of different architectures and different components, you know, that really define platforms and APIs are a piece of it. I think mm-hmm. cloud is in there. Yep, that's um, true. AI machine learnings in there, microservices is in there, you know, there's uh, ecosystems are in there. There's just a host of different things. But I think a point you made is that I think in particular, I think there were a lot of companies that were saying, oh, this too shall pass. And they didn't necessarily give credence to some of the, particularly some of the MGA startups. And even some of the full stack insurers that were startups. And I think now, given the valuations that are coming out with some of them IPOing, I think with some of them really changing the the view of what insurance is. And I think with new ones emerging from GM, standing up a whole insurance practice there with an industry veterans, and then, you know, Tesla doing the same thing and embedding the insurance and a lot of stuff. I think all of that kind of combined has really kind of said, oh my gosh, there really is a pretty uh, substantial change and shift in the industry happening. No, I, I mean, I totally agree. I'm kind of excited as well about wave two of InsureTech. I am not as close to it as I used to be, but I, I pay attention and you know, who's getting the funding now. I actually don't know this answer, but like who is funding these kind of angel and uh, series a companies that are out there 
And it seems like a lot of these companies are kind of like new iterations of what came out of wave one of InsureTech. I think you'll see some AI companies as well come out of wave two of InsureTech, which kind of started around, I don't know, we can talk about dates, but like 2019 to 2020 is kind of when wave two started. I think that AI was much further along at that point. And like we talked about, the APIs are available now where I think you're going to see a real acceleration in those tools. So uh, I'm super excited to see what comes out of that. And by the way, you have a lot of these new uh, venture, I don't even know what to call them. It's like loose affiliations of agencies or carriers like Broker Tech Ventures is one that comes to mind that I think are really interesting and kind of like almost like places where insurtechs can go to test out their ideas, maybe get a little bit of funding and then really accelerate in the industry. So with all of these changes and this kind of like phase two of insurtech kind of emerging with the impact to the industry, how do you think about the future of insurance and how are you helping to prepare for that for your customers? You know, we work with agencies and carriers that are targeting small business insurance and those agencies and carriers are servicing the small businesses. You know, we definitely know, I mean, at this point, I'm convinced, I think most people are convinced or a lot of people are convinced that small business insurance is going to go the way of digital insurance. It's going to become online transactions with, you know, a phone call to talk it over and discuss it. But a lot of this will be very, very fast. So the question in my head now is how quickly do we get to like algorithmic small business insurance where you type a business name in and the application pre-fills with all the data pulled from many, many, like think thousands of data sources. And then carriers instantly are giving their appetite and quoting that business. And then, you know, literally in 15 minutes, you do a quote and bind. We're getting close to that. So then the next question is, okay, how quickly does this move up the value chain, right? How quickly does this get to like middle market? How quickly does this get to large and complex? I don't think we're like months away. It's more like years, many years, but that's something that I'm really interested to see develop um, along the way. And many of those transactions, they're not going to be instant when you get to large complex risks. They're not going to be 15 minutes because lots of things have to be discussed and negotiated and talked about between people. But I think the backbone of making those transactions happen, the backbone is going to make it all a lot faster. Final question here, Chris, if you could pick one word or phrase to describe the future of insurance, what would it be today? Yeah, I was thinking about this question. I'm going to hone in on small business insurance for a second, because the word that I keep thinking about is profitable. I think there's a new kind of profit paradigm coming around small business insurance that just didn't exist before, which is why a lot of the top 100 brokers really tried to avoid it. So I think that's going to flip around. Generally with insurance, the word that is in my head is intrigued. I'm very, very intrigued to see where this goes. There's all sorts of things happening right now around distribution and marketplaces and who's got access to what data, who's providing the access, which vendors are which are working with other vendors, how quickly are carriers getting online, how quickly is the top 100 brokers going to adopt all this stuff, you know, what upstart uh, smaller agencies are out there that are going to f- figure out how to do all this online very fast and efficiently and profitably. So I am just really intrigued to see where all this goes. I love that word, Chris. That's a good one. Cool. Study it every day. And uh, it seems like it's moving a lot faster. It's moving faster than people realize. And there's going to be a a number of insurers that are way too far behind that they haven't even begun the planning, let alone the implementation. 
it's going to be almost impossible to catch up. That's the scary part. Yeah, I, I do worry for the carriers that don't have ways to connect to all these different systems. That's what I would be really focused on if I was with inside an insurance carrier right now. Yep, I couldn't agree more. Well, thanks for your time today, Chris, and and best of luck. And we'll uh, look forward to further conversations in the future and, and InsureTech 2.0. Yeah, see you maybe at InsureTech Connect if uh, if you're going. I'm getting excited to do our my first in-person thing in a long time. I think everybody is, Chris. <laughs> all right, thank you.